You know what I love about this sound is actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive soul. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, as your host as always, and I'm joined for this Tottenham preview podcast with the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe. Dan's not with us uh, this episode and Tony's still a bit under the weather, so just the two of us for this one. So James, how are you getting on? Well, I'm glad that it is not Tuesday night because that was a signal. Yeah, absolutely was. If you really do want to put yourself through the ringer and you want to reflect on that defeat to Burnley check out our Burnley review podcast but we recommend that you don't spend too much time on that and just concentrate on this one as we look ahead to the first big six club supposed big six club to come to Kenilworth Road this season in the shape of Tottenham Hotspur those of you who have not realised this game is live and exclusive on TNT Sports formerly BT Sport at 12.30 kickoff at Kenilworth Road, so please don't turn up at three o'clock, else you won't be seeing too much in the way of football unless Tottenham are the latest team to come down in time west. I don't suspect they will be, um, but who knows? Okay, James, so kind of this comes full circle for me, this one. The very first Luton game I ever went to was Luton Town against Tottenham Hotspur way back in the 80s, so it's a fixture that kind of holds significance to me as a Luton fan, and probably the first sort of game at Kenilworth Road this season that you know when you look at the fixture list it's the first one that oh that's the first big 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 team to come down yeah um you say that when I was looking at a couple of foot footy stats websites there was some that didn't have any records about Luton Tottenham ever playing so if you ever wanted a, a example of the Premier Leagueification of football then uh, that's one of them but you know Luton did play them quite a bit back in the old days but um it's been a while hasn't it they absolutely did. I was there. It was my first ever Luton game. Even if football didn't begin until 1992, um, whatever it was, the sport that I was watching, it definitely took place. Uh, what did we do in the days before then? Eh? I don't know. Footballers were footballers then as well, weren't they? Um, that was the that was the good thing. Um, Tottenham. Kind of ridiculed in this country for the last few years because they seem to set themselves up and fail spectacularly, which of course all Luton fans hope they'll do on Saturday afternoon. They can actually go top of the Premier League on Saturday, so we are up against some um, serious quality here. Yeah, yeah. Just see, I was trying to delay talking about it. <laughs> um, yeah, what we're going to say. I mean, I'd, I would say we'll rush through it, but <laughs> we can't really. There's too much quality. Five second podcast. I'm what just kind of glad that the England captain thought that Munich was a dance site better than London else. <laughs> you know? well, well, he has done that, but they seem to be better without him, don't they? they? Do. So, um, yeah, that's ominous. And, um, yeah, they're, they've all seemed very excited by Ange Ball or whatever they seem to be calling it now. Um, you, but you can't argue with it at the moment, can you? Because they're unbeaten in the league. And, like you say, they could go top of the tree with a win at Kenworth Road and you know and we're going to have to try and find some silver linings and clutch at some straws but Luton aren't supposed to beat top six sides probably not even top half sides at the moment um, so it's one of these games where we knew it was going to come that's the games you want to be involved in you want to play the big teams see the big stars um, especially at Kenworth Road um, 
and, and test yourself. But it's a massive, massive test because they're you know, probably one of the most informed teams. You know, but and, and Man City have lost already somehow to Wolves. <laughs> How did that happen? But obviously, they're they're the team to beat, really, and based on previous seasons. But at this moment in time, Tottenham are flying. Yeah, they are. I guess the first thing that we need to hope is that whoever is in VAR knows what's a goal and what ain't a goal and what's offside and what ain't offside. Um, after they got kind of lucky last um, Saturday against Liverpool, but I mean, in, in all seriousness, I mean, this Ange guy, he must be the only Australian in an Ashes summer that actually is popular in England, isn't he? It's, um, <laughs> it's kind of crazy, yeah, really. But uh, to be fair to him, I mean, I've seen a few Tottenham games this season. I was watching that Tottenham-Liverpool game on the way back while I was parked in that M6 car park last week. And um, they do look like they're playing pretty decent football. I mean, the key to it, I suspect, is the recruitment of James Madison, who pretty much every single statistic you look at in the Premier League, he's there or thereabouts. I think he's the leading assist maker in the Premier League. He has more shots for Tottenham than anyone else, more shots on target than anyone else, scoring goals. I mean, this guy's an England quality player anyways, and he's going to go to the Euros next summer. And uh, when, when we start talking about Tottenham threats, he's right high up on the list. Someone had better tell Gareth Southgate that, hadn't they? Because he doesn't seem to get a look in at England level. It's unbelievable, really, because, yeah, he's a, he's a top star flying. I mean, he was well high up in the assists last season, wasn't he, for Leicester? And obviously, we didn't pay too much attention back then because we were in a championship swap places, obviously. But, um, yeah, he was... And that's pretty impressive in a team that are failing and, and going down. I'm almost I'm, I'm almost amazed why it was only Spurs that went in for him. Surely everybody would have seen the stats that he got in that season and previous seasons and just his general effectiveness for that Leicester side and not wanted him. Quite bizarre, really. Especially when a team like Leicester goes down and you can cherry-pick all the best players. I thought there'd have been a bit more for him. Didn't seem to be, did they? It was just... No, um, very much Tottenham's game there, isn't it? That's for sure. I mean, I'm no Tottenham fan, but obviously I'm an England fan. And like you, I can't really understand how he doesn't get a look in, albeit England are very strong in that department. Um, to not even get a look in. Or, I mean, he's just recently started getting more of a look in on the left wing, hasn't he? Which would be nice if he plays there on Saturday, that's for sure. But it looks <laughs> like he'll play the number 10 role. What I like about him, though, is obviously he's a, a quality footballer, but... He can still take the piss because after the North London derby, I think Saka had done the light dart celebration that he does. And then in the sort of post-match, he said, we must still have been doing that celebration when I turned in for the equaliser or something like that. <laughs> now, this is an England teammate that he's mugging off as well. So I he's obviously got a little bit of a character about him. And I like that in footballers. Yeah. I mean, we, we look at Danny Hilton down the, you know, Tom Lockyer now is that personality is as much as the footballer. Absolutely, it's what certainly Luton fans have adhered themselves to, um, and yeah, he's he's one of those players that I think Spurs fans have instantly taken to. How could you not? Yeah, I mean, it sounds like even we're we're liking him, and uh, we shouldn't be because he's he's a massive threat, and you know, it's not like he's the only one for Spurs, but he is flying. Luton are gonna have to really watch him, but. How do you stop him? That's for Rob Edwards and his coaching staff to work out. Thankfully, not for uh, 
us to because, well, we've not got a clue. Um, <laughs> one man who we might not have to stop, actually, if reports would be t- to be believed, is uh, Son Hyun Min, uh, Tottenham captain. Now that uh, Harry Kane's left, apparently he's struggling with an injury. There is sort of talks that he might not start the game. Please, if them talks are true, please let them be true. Because he's the second top scorer in the Premier League. Only certain Erling Haaland has scored more goals than him this season. In a Tottenham side that, as we've said, are buzzing. So uh, down that right-hand side, if that's where Son plays, he has actually been playing in the middle a little bit as well, hasn't he? Whoever, Whichever way it is, either Issa Kabore or Tom Lockyer are going to have to be on top form to stop one of the players that's been one of the best players in the Premier League for a while. I mean, this guy shared the golden boot with Mo Salah before Haaland came into the league. I mean, obviously that golden boot, he owns it now, doesn't he? But the last time it was genuinely up for grabs, Son shared it. So, uh, yeah, got to watch out for him as well if he plays. Yeah, well, let's just hope he doesn't, eh? Because the alternative is Richarlison. And it's mental to say because he's a Brazilian international, but you'd rather face Richarlison. All day it? long. Um yeah. Well, I wouldn't, but I'm sure Tom Lockyer would. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's 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 crazy uh, the talent that you're talking of when you come up against these sides. Which you know, with all due respect to all the previous sides that Luton have played before, they're not st- stacked with talent in every single department, which Tottenham seem to be at the moment. So um, yeah, please, if there's a footballing god up there, let him be injured because it might <laughs> it might give off. I mean, they're still spreading the goals around the around the side but they're not as many as Son he's, he's four ahead of everyone else and there's a couple of players on two uh, I think Madison's one of them um, so yeah he's a he's a real threat I even read an article recently actually about somebody saying he's the best finisher in the Premier League which was a decent headline because you're sort of going well have you seen Haaland but um, yeah I didn't I didn't read past the headline to be honest because I until you know, this game and this podcast wasn't really interesting in Spurs but um, yeah maybe he is maybe he's very clinical he seems to be doesn't he very clinical give him a chance and he'll score so yeah it's going to be one of these um, Luton have to be absolutely perfect yeah they do where he's concerned it's a shame you couldn't have read that article Sunday really because uh, you just put some more fear into uh, all of us Um when you look through the statistics, another one who pops up more for his defensive work than anything else is Eve Basuma. But there's too much in this Tottenham side to be flagging up a defensive midfielder as a sort of danger man. So I suppose the other one that we need to talk about is Dejan Kulisevsky down there, right-hand side. He, he, the problem with thinking about him is immediately you think of Burnley's winner because you can picture him, you know, his blonde hair cutting inside top corner and we've just seen it happen and it's like oh please don't let history repeat itself yeah I mean you were in a you were in a Spurs podcast recently they didn't fancy him for much of a goal scorer though did they I mean he scored a bit of, bit of a decent one against Sheffield United to win it in that comeback um, and now I mention that game you know apart from that last few minutes maybe that's the blueprint to play against Spurs because they put them a bit under threat didn't they if uh, Thomas Kaminsky wants to develop 90 minutes of cramp, that's generally the blueprint that Sheffield United used in that game. But of course, it was only because the goalkeeper had to find another option for the goal kicks as to why uh, there was so much injury time. It was nothing to do with the cramp. Well, yeah, Sheffield United have been doing that for years, haven't they? Certainly in the last few games against Luton. Um, yeah, that's uh, we, we ra- railed against that in the last podcast, didn't we, about the... 
propensity of the Burnley players to go down seemingly at a, a very difficult time for them when Luton were piling on the pressure. So it's not something you want to see, but Luton have not come up against a test like this in a very long while. I mean, even when Luton were playing supposed uh, big sides, were, they are big sides, I don't want to disrespect them, but in the Cups like Newcastle and Aston Villa, you can't say they had the quality of what Tottenham have got now. No, you really can't. Um, from seemingly doom and gloom last season, not not even making Europe, the world was going to end. Conte was terrible. I mean, they sacked that season off pretty sort of early with Ryan Mason, didn't they? Or that's how it seemed from the outside. Um, things are looking good for them, aren't they? I don't know if that's because they're not in Europe. Or the, the one kind of blemish, though, was that they got knocked out of the um, Carabao Cup to Fulham when he played a fringe team didn't he that didn't go down too well but apart from that they seem to be certainly the Spurs fans that I was on that podcast with seem to be certainly a lot more content than we're led to believe that Spurs fans have been over the last few seasons yeah well they've got the towers up and they've just um, not got beaten in the non-league non-league the North London derby <laughs> shows how far we've come lads <laughs> talking about the non-league um, yeah and that always is a that's that's traditionally their cup final, isn't it? Really, there's two games each season because they haven't won anything for a very, very long time. Um, but you know, maybe this is the the season where they where they do. From from you know, from an outside view, it looks like yeah, they've lost Harry Kane, but maybe I mean Son was still scoring a lot of goals, but he had to sec- almost play second fiddle to. Harry Kane, and now he's centre stage, and they've signed well. They've got a new manager playing sort of slightly, well, a lot different brand of football to what Conte was playing, and um, yeah, it shows you a difference those sorts of things can make. Really, it's, it's amazing that we're talking about them losing England's record goal scorer and still being good because uh, you know you'd anybody else would probably fear for that, but they're placing. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really want this to be a Spurs loving, um, but you have to give them their dues, isn't it? Yeah, you do. Um, you know, seven games unbeaten. It's whoever you are in this league. Seven games unbeaten. This is a bloody tough league. We found that out, and um, it's not like they've had easy games either, is it? They've played. Well, okay, Man United is an easy game these days, but they played Liverpool. <laughs> you know, they played Arsenal. You've been uh, digging out Man United for weeks. I know. I'm kind of getting worried that in four weeks' time we've got a preview uh, a game against them. Um, th- but they played Liverpool. They played Arsenal. Um, so you know, it's not like they've had necessarily easy games. The one thing you would say is they were fortunate to get results in both of those. Gabriel Jesus missed an absolute sitter at 1-0 in the North London derby. And of course, if that first Liverpool goal is allowed last week, the likelihood is that that game is going to be different. But they still rode their luck and they came out on the right side of them results. So uh, you can't really argue with that. But you're right, this is not a Tottenham podcast. This is a Luton podcast. So let's... um, Let's look ahead to Luton. I think we can safely say, and we're recording this before Rob does his press conference on Friday so that we can get this out in time, obviously with the earlier kickoff as well. So we don't know for sure, but you might do by the time you listen to this podcast. But I think we're safe to say that Amari Bell won't be featuring. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. Um, I didn't see him go down, but he doesn't do that, does he? Um, And he's just a bit of a machine, really, but... We have been saying it for weeks that you can't keep flogging him like that. And the fact that he, he played all the way up to the semi-final in the Gold Cup for Jamaica in the summer after being ever-present 
in the championship promotion season last season than just coming straight back and yeah, you know, even to the point he's playing Exeter. That's if that's a, if that's one of the games to rest him, then you would have thought leave him. Even, just don't even take him. Leave him at home. Let him put his feet up. But he even played thirty minutes in that one. So, uh, and it's a shame because he's been growing in form. I, I don't particularly think he started the season well, um, but he has been growing in that role and. We talked about the stats last last week in the preview podcast, didn't we? About Marvelous and the Campbell's top of the tackle stats, but but Mamari Bell wasn't fourth in that out of the entire division. So, interesting leaves Basuma's second in that. So, if you like your tackles, there's going to be quite a few on Saturday, I suspect. <laughs> well, not as much now if Bell doesn't play. To be fair, um, yeah, it'd be first versus second then in the defensive midfield stakes, wouldn't it? Um, it will, yeah. Their left back's also level with Bell. So, um, Udegi, I think he's called. Or maybe the two sides will just cancel each other out. <laughs> Wouldn't that be a relief? Well, I'll come on to um, what you'd take as a result later, but I'm sure we would all take a draw from the game, particularly in light of how tough the Burnley game was on Tuesday and then the short, t- the even shorter turnaround with this 12.30 kickoff. Who do you think comes in for Bell then? I mean, obviously, Reese Burke came on for Bell, but it it felt a bit not lopsided, unbalanced that back three until the second half when obviously we pushed Doughty further on. It it just felt a little bit not all together sort of thing. So do you see it being Burke, Lockie, and Mengi? Well, yeah, probably, but you don't really have the backup options there at this moment because Doughty's so effective going forward and he's put in one million crosses this season. Um, you can't like you can't stunt that area of Luton's game and you're not necessarily going to put Ryan Giles as the guy that plays the defensive role because that doesn't seem to be what he's particularly good at at the moment. Um so, yeah, you know, there was, yeah, what, what what do you do there? You sort of hamstrung a little bit because... Well, I guess the good thing is, if we are going to play Reese Burke on the left-hand side of the three, we're pretty sure Kulisevsky's cutting in all day long. I mean, they, every every time I've seen him play, he cuts inside. Uh, the Tottenham podcast I was on referenced him as being really one-footed. So at least he's coming into Reese Burke, who will be there to, like meet him although having said that that should have been the case on Tuesday night we all know how that ended but maybe that's one thing we do but yeah I mean ultimately the only other left footed centre half we've got is Dan Potts and we're not seeing him anytime soon so it's going to have to be unbalanced because like you say I mean if Ryan Giles isn't coming on to replace um, Alfie Doughty at Everton last Saturday and Corley Woodrow is that's kind of an admission about where his defensive skills lie in the last few minutes of a game, because you'd have thought a defender to shore it up would have been the obvious pick. So unless he switches Mengi to the other side and plays Burke on the right, Mengi on the left, you're right, there isn't really a great deal he can do, is there? Well, when Mengi signed, uh, Rob was talking about his versatility, that he can play across, play anywhere. So maybe that is the option. We just haven't seen it yet because we've only seen Mengi for a Game and a half. Um, I mean, even at Exeter, he was the right side of, with Joe Johnson as the left-sided centre-back. This isn't a game for Joe Johnson to play left-sided centre-back. Um, no. You know, that's dead. As much as we rate Joe Johnson and he's going to be a great player in future, 
you don't throw him in at left centre back against Tottenham Hotspur in front of the TV cameras. That's just unfair to the kid. Although he would have a point to prove because obviously he was released from Tottenham as a youngster, but this isn't the time to prove that point. It's not. It's not even in the conversation, really, is it? Um, no. But you know, Luton's defence have um, had to do that in recent seasons. You know, the worst one was when we had a, a backline full of fullbacks on it. So, um, well, that's how Amari Bell started in that position, isn't it? And he just stayed there. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, you know, they've managed it quite. They've managed it quite well. In um, in the sense that when a player gets injured, they've been able to shuffle the pack and play it there. But this is just a different kettle of fish, isn't it? It's a, we've like like I say, we've not been in this position for before. Looking forward to the, a game like this against a team in the top six of the top flight. It's it's almost. I mean, Rob Edwards talked about the jump up being a different sport. Well, this is a different sport on steroids, isn't it? <laughs> playing, playing Spurs, home or away, it's just um, you know. I'm looking forward to seeing it. You'll you'll see the step up in quality, but they've got so many threats everywhere. You might be looking forward to seeing it. I'm not. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to seeing it for a couple of minutes, to be honest, and then afterwards you're just going to be like, um, yeah, what's going, what's what's hit you really, but. I hope it's not like that. You know, you know, we we talk about how the game is bonkers and things can be, you know, wildly different from what you expect, and it's so very difficult to just not expect a full-on Tottenham assault. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, obviously, most of these assaults that they've done have come on bigger pitches, and they're not going to have that luxury on Saturday. But yeah, this is obviously the toughest test of the season so far or on a par with Brighton if uh, if you want to, if you want that take on it further up the pitch how do you see it going because three against two on Tuesday night did not go in our favour and it's three against two again on Saturday unless changes are made do you see a well I mean Rob's saying Barkley will be fit for Saturday do you see a Barkley do you see a Berry do you see a Chong do you see someone of that ilk coming in and matching up three in the middle? Obviously, it would mean one of Brown or Ogbeni has to make way. But do you see us doing that? Because presumably it's going to be Basuma, Saar and Madison in their three. That's a lot for Pelly and Marvellous to cope with for a third time in seven or eight days. Yeah, it really is. Um You know, when, you, when you're talking about it, though, there's, there's no one there in those in the frontline positions that have done anything bad to be taken out, except that they, they've they not hit the target or not scored. We talked about in the previous podcast about that's the you know final missing piece considering 31 crosses uh, in, uh, in the last game. Um, we'll say it one minute. Yeah. Stats. <laughs> um, but, you know, I would say that the the fact that when they had to go for more firepower against Burnley, they swapped Brown for Adebayo maybe says that if you were going to make any changes, maybe Brown comes out. He does a lot of decent defensive work, but are Luton going to be pressing that high anyway? Or is it going to be this 
very, very low block where they're just going to have to try and soak up position. You're almost damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you're playing at home as well. That Nobody wants to see that, but they can punish you in so many different ways. Do you have to be pragmatic in that sense? I think you've got to put a third man in midfield. I mean, unless Pelle has a great game, which he did at Everton, to be fair to him, and he'll know that he wasn't as good on Tuesday night. Unless Pelle has a great game. I mean, we just got so over it. It's just, you know, Basuma, Saar, if it, if it is Saar, if not, it would be someone like Hoiberg or, you know, a top-class footballer. Just to have Marvin Pelle in there against them, it's... I can see why they did it against Burnley because that's a game that they feel they can win. It's a big game. It's a six-pointer. This one, like you say, you know, if it starts badly, it's, this one has the potential to go pear-shaped quite quickly, whereas you kind of felt that we could at least get control back against Burnley if we let this lot off to off the lead. Dog ain't coming back, is it? It's, you know, it's, it's away and gone and uh, it's not for catching. So, But the options there are, are limited in a defensive sense, though, because... Um, Chong was very good when he came on against Burnley, but he was Luton were all out attacking. Bez is an attacking midfielder. Barkley is really you don't want him picking the ball up or, or playing around in, in front of your defence. And that's that's whether he even comes back. I, I would imagine that um, the performance has still been high while he's not been in the seat side. So I imagine, like we talked in the last preview podcast, that if if anything, he would only come back on the bench. So, you know, the, it, when you come up against Spurs and you break it down like this, then you're starting to think Lokonga's injury came at a really, really bad time. They've coped in the game since, um, admirably in the game since, but this is one way, this is where he was bought for and it's a play against these, these sides. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. None of them have got the defensive... He wasn't bought, actually. He was loaned. Loan. None of them have got the sort of defensive um, instincts, I suppose you would you would call it. But ultimately, if one of them can just track Basuma or something, you know, if if it makes them play beyond Basuma, then you kind of hope that Nakamba can hold his own against Madison or if it goes a bit further, Lockyer against Son or Richarlison, just to stop Basuma controlling the game, really. So you could have even someone like a Woodrow doing that to give you a threat or, or Barry. I mean, even Chong. Um, so it'd be interesting to see what he does. Like you say, no one in that front line deserves to be dropped other than the fact that, you know, they're not hitting the target as much as fans would like them to. They're, they're certainly putting in the effort and everything, but ultimately you still got to try and win the game of football. You can't take all of your players off. So Rob's got a real conundrum. Maybe it'll be helped by the data and who's got, you know, who's near the red zone, as they call it these days and everything else, because I can't believe he's going to ask the same one. The ones that that are fit, that played both games. It's such a tough ask because, I mean, that Everton game was energy sapping because it pissed down a rain from start to finish. Tuesday night was emotionally sapping. This is a real, real tough one, this one. Even, even I mean, obviously it was a tough one even without them two things, but you put those two things into it as well. You know, everyone's saying, oh, Luton are used to three games in a week in the championship. Yeah, well, that's as maybe, but not to this kind of intensity and level they're not. And they, it wasn't like they won three games a week in those. It was always, uh, you know, one where you had to take a draw or it didn't go as well. I can't remember the last time they won three in a row like that in a week game, in in, in a week block. It was... That was really hard in the championship, and you weren't coming up against 
the quality and the ruthlessness that Spurs seem to have at the moment. No. The one good thing though, twelve thirty kickoff. Generally have not been bad in them in recent seasons. I remember the Notts Forest game. Prior to that, of course, the Bournemouth game. They're going to hate you, Nottingham Forest fans. They're going to hate me even more <laughs> in two weeks' time. Calling, that's not yeah, Forest. they're going to hate me even more in two weeks' time. They'll soon realise we're Luton Town and we call them what the hell we want. Um, so you get Bournemouth game prior to that. Obviously, everyone remembers that 12.30 kickoff. And if we've got scenes like that at the end on Saturday, happy days. But that Forest game, obviously last season, certain derby uh, at home that we won as well. Again, was a 12... Well, I think that was... 12 o'clock kickoff, wasn't it? Or 12, 12.30 it might have been. Um, so the early kickoffs we do seem to be all right in. is something, obviously, whatever they have for breakfast, uh, mm. it works. So I'm clutching at that particular straw. You mentioned about straws earlier in the podcast. There's one that I'm firmly clutching at and I'm not releasing until half past two on Saturday afternoon. But, yeah. This is the clutching at straws episode, to be fair. It really <laughs> is. It really is. And it's, it's weird. I suppose the other thing that we're clutching at straws are, this is Tottenham. They do have a habit of building themselves up only to flatter to deceive spectacularly. And they can go top of the league on Saturday. And of course, they will go top of the league. Man City don't play Arsenal until Sunday. So they'll be there for 24 hours if they win the game. Haven't been top of the league very often, Tottenham. So I'm kind of hoping that that kind of expectancy... Not just the expectancy of beating Luton, which they've got anyway, but that expectancy of going top of the league and, you know, kind of gets to one or two players that might not necessarily have done it before. I mean, we've seen that happen a few times, haven't we? And um, apart from that, though, you know, this the, the one thing that we've got to stress is everyone inside Kenilworth Road on Saturday from start to finish needs to be right behind these players because they're going to need our support on Saturday more than they've ever had it because... They've just had it tough, two games, and it's, now they've got the toughest of the lot. You know, this is the one, much like that Knott's Forest game, Knott's Forest game <laughs> on Good Friday, much, I mean, even more so the Derby game last season. The boys are going to need everything that we can give them to uh, get through. And if were we to take the lead and have something to hang on to, I think we've said it a few times on this podcast, we do kind of fancy us to hold on to leads. If we can get our noses in front, I mean, and then the pressure on them about going top of the league and expectancy to beat Luton and everything else kicks in, then you just never know. But yeah, the boys, you know, they need to be at their absolute max for this one. Yeah, it's almost cup tie-esque it is. in the sense that Luton have to be perfect and they have to be less than perfect to almost stand a chance. But the positive is... As we've maintained throughout this podcast, and we'll say it so many times this season, Tottenham is not our, you know, our eight teams. The flip side is that we're going to have to win one of them, having lost to Burnley, but we're not going to get dictated on what happens, particularly while Tottenham are going as well as they are. We might well, catch... According to you, it be Man United. Well, we might catch one of these supposed big teams on a good day where they've just played in Europe or, you know, they're in a downturn of form like Man United. Unfortunately, we've caught Tottenham in the exact opposite. They're not in Europe and they're flying. So this game isn't going to dictate us. So hopefully we can use that to our advantage. And like you say, the cup tie and generally Luton are brilliant underdogs. We're much better underdogs than favourites. We probably saw a little bit of that in the first half on Tuesday night. That was the first time this season Luton have kind of been expected by the wider world to, if not win the game, to certainly be challenging in the game I mean even against Everton we were 5-1 to one outsiders with the bookmakers and you know <laughs> so we kind of saw that that's not the case on Tuesday oh, sorry on Saturday 
It's like we're proper underdogs, which is just how we like it. It is. Um, just to throw another sort of hurdle in the way, the Spurs have obviously didn't play on Tuesday night, so they've had a lot more rest as well. So um, that doesn't bode well. That doesn't work in Luton's favour. So, um, But yeah, I mean, a, the one thing is there's absolutely no expectation here and no, no pressure whatsoever. So you're right. I think the Burnley game, that could have been a, a factor because um, it is one of the teams that you have to have to win. Make, you know, make I mean, if you spin it round, Everton would have expected to be Luton, right? They've just beat Brentford as an underdog. Everything's going well for them. And then, you know, they've come up against Luton. They're expected to win and they've, they've absolutely shit a brick and it's not happened. <laughs> the same thing kind of happened, didn't it? Burnley came here little bit less expectation having got off to a shocker of a start of the season. Luton suddenly expected to win the game again by the wider world, not necessarily within the just the Luton fan base. And it just didn't happen. No, it didn't. You know, but and Burnley only scored four four goals before coming to Kenneth Road and they scored two here. So um Yeah, I mean whichever stat you do try and look at yeah, don't look at them. Yeah, I'm trying not to. <laughs> don't look at them. Don't look at the shots. Tottenham are well clear in this league for shots. Shots shots on target. They're second for shots yeah. on target behind Manchester City. They're great at winning the ball back. They're not bad at that. <laughs> and uh, uh, Yeah, they've got one of the most uh, creative players. In if you're going to look at stats, crosses. That's the one to look at. Luton are an absolute country mile clear on crosses. Apart from that, dear me. But they're all there. They're all there for. They're all there to be broken, aren't they? And you do get some basket case results in these early kickoffs. I mean, just look at the Saturday just gone. Aston Villa six, Brighton one. No one saw that. Southampton three, Leeds one. I mean, no one saw that. Not even anyone in Southampton saw that. So, uh, you know, that's a, that's plenty of straw clutching anyway. Just give it everything we've got on and off the pitch. The players will give it everything they've got on the pitch. Give them all the support we can off the pitch, and who knows. Could be one of those famous days that Luton uh, that we that we treasure and we'll look back on like we do that Bournemouth game specifically of two seasons ago. Well, you're always looking for a fixture or a result to ignite a season, aren't you? And under Edwards, they had it in the Norwich game last season where Woodrow scored the worldy winner in, at the end, and that kickstarted everything. And uh, you know, you kind of felt that. Last weekend might have been it if they could have backed that up with a, a win against Burnley and it, it hasn't. So it's almost sort of back to the drawing board, really. So, yeah, something like a win against Tottenham would be a massive boost to the season, absolutely, no doubt. But, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, you're talking fantasy football stuff at the moment, aren't you? Yeah, you are. I mean, I suppose the one thing that we haven't kind of said the boys will give this everything and they can give it everything because they've got two weeks off afterwards before we play Notts Forest away and um, they'll leave everything on the pitch if it's good enough happy days if it's not I mean we're going to need some help from Spurs right we're going to need any time we play one of these big sides we're going to need some help if we go into them in a football match going toe-to-toe with them it's not going to end pretty so we are going to need them to be off 
off colour, but who knows? Twelve thirty lunchtime kickoff. They might just be off colour. They were off colour, like you said earlier, against Sheffield United. I know that was a three o'clock kickoff, but they were off colour in that game. I know the ball was in play for about five minutes, but they were still off colour. <laughs> well, maybe you know? that's what we need to do here and just yeah. make it really ugly and horrible. Boot and, it over the stand yeah. without the John Dre net now, and um, suddenly hide all the other balls so they've got to take another fifty minutes to get the thing back again. Maybe that would work. Bit of a doom and gloom one on this podcast, but unfortunately, is this is really is a tough one after that Burnley game, and particularly the disappointment of the result of it. Uh, we will finish. Yeah, it's not really, uh, yeah it's not, I don't want to be doom and gloom. It's just realism. It's realism. It? Yeah. yeah, I don't think there's any Luton fan out there who's going on Saturday and who's expecting Luton to rock up and win. But the, hopefully that works in our favour. Obviously, the players will do. Uh, we will find out if us to uh, expect Luton to win because we will close off this podcast as we always do with our score predictions James me and you have been absolutely filthy at these things so far this season <laughs> I haven't personally got close um, I'm not sure you have either to be fair um, you can go first on this one though uh, Tottenham versus Luton is there any hope in your score prediction for Luton? Oh, this is the one where people hate me for, for it but no, I'm too much of a realist when it comes to this and everything we've just discussed has sort of reinforced it. The one thing I do want Luton to do is, and like, you, like you've just said, is to have a real good go at it. And if if you fall short of the mark, then nobody's going to blame you. But it can't, it can't go... It can't go like it did for Sheffield United against Newcastle. You can't let it be that bad. I would be surprised if it's that bad. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, they may well win Tottenham, but I don't think they're going to come down here and clean us out. Well, the, the Spurs podcast you were on thought 3-0, and I think that would be a respectable score if they could do it any better. Um, well, I mean, 2-0, 1-0 still defeat, isn't it? But yeah, they, they score a lot of goals. <laughs> and Luton... I'm struggling to see where Luton keep a clean sheet at the moment. So they're going to score. And the fact that Luton had that many chances against Burnley and really only hit the target once before Adebayo scored doesn't bode well. Obviously, on the flip side of it, on the fantasy side of it, you're thinking, well, maybe they just stored it all up for Spurs. And you've got to go into it with those sorts of hopes and dreams. Uh, But, you know, the reality of it, I think that Tottenham come away quite comfortable. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the people that know the best. Those Spurs fans that you were talking to, probably be three 0 I'm not convinced on that one. Uh, the knowing best bit, uh, but you never know. Um, I still can't bring myself to pick Luton to lose a game. I just can't do it. And for all that I've spoken about how tough this is going to be, and it is going to be tough, I just cannot come on a podcast and pick Luton to lose the <coughs> game. Um, so much like I'd said on their podcast, you know, yes, they're going to score. Of course, they're going to score. But Burnley scored twice on them and they didn't really look like scoring against us at all, apart from, well, funnily enough, when, from they, the when, they, when, they, funnily enough when they did <laughs> score. Yeah. Um, so I think I read somewhere that one of your stat sites that doesn't believe that Luton have ever played Tottenham again, even though I know they have, because I've seen it with my own eyes, said that Luton are highly likely to score. So... Let's bring out the old. Let's bring out old Desmond for the first time this season. Two two. Well, they have. I mean, they have scored in every home game, so there's something to hang on, hang your hat on. So that's good. Um, all right, they're two two. 
2-2 versus 0-3. Leave your um, score predictions in the comments. Uh, if any of you get it right, from a loot and win persuasion in particular, if were that to happen, we will happily pl- uh, give you a shout-out. Did when- anyone get it right from the last one? No. When um, when we do a review of the uh, of the game early next week, um, keep all of your comments coming on the podcast. We do read them, and if James doesn't like them, he'll reply to them with some sarky comments. Um, <laughs> only Everton fans. And only the really, really delusional ones, really, to be fair. That's fair enough. And there was plenty of them. Um, yeah, keep your comments coming. Uh, if you are watching this on YouTube, please do subscribe to the channel. We will be bringing you podcasts during the international break. So make sure you've subscribed and then you'll know exactly when they drop so you don't miss any of our exclusive content. That is it for this episode of the podcast. Uh, our thanks go to the Hightown Club for hosting us as always. Thanks also to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our intro music, to Ed Smith Creative for our designs uh, and our set and everything. Uh, until next time when we'll review this Tottenham game. Thanks very much for joining us, James. Thanks for you to watch and listen and very much on Saturday. Come on, you atters. Actually, you, everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're looting people.